All right. Hello. I am here with the founder of Printavo, Bruce Ackerman. Bruce, how are you doing? Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Cole. It's actually yeah. uh, great to catch up, too, as I'm chatting with you in a little bit. Yeah, it's fun. It's like doing video meetings is all we can do to socialize now. Yeah, which I, I can't do the uh, I feel like they're over three, four people on the Zoom chat. It just because you can't have side conversations. So it's whatever yeah. is being talked about is the topic for everybody. Yeah. And it's hard to not have people talk over each other. Exactly. Like muting and unmuting. Uh, how you know what I missed was being in person for print hustlers. How was it doing it online? It, you know, it was interesting. It was definitely different. I think the opportunity, though, was that so many people, there was 750 people registered. I think that wouldn't happen if it was in person. I, I mean, just even finding a venue that can hold that many people and do all that and like managing all that's a huge endeavor. It's already so much for the 200 that we let and then the event just sells out every year. But it could be interesting, right? Like if we could do it next year in person, then that would be intriguing to see if people that saw it online were like, wow, I'll actually go to it next year and we can get more space and we can figure it out. But overall, the speakers were awesome. We fired, we had some talks on mental health for specifically business owners, um, perspective, uh, traction, which is this like EOS based book to help create your business system. So it was all great though. Two days, couple hours each day, it was awesome. Yeah, I catched quite a bit of it. Is there any replays for anyone who missed it? Yeah, we're, we're dropping it all on YouTube. So a couple Perfect. of them are already up there. Every couple of days they're releasing another one though. Awesome. So what are you seeing in all of this chaos? I mean, I, who are the winners and who are the losers at, from your guys' perspective as the software company? Yeah. Who are, what, what trends are you seeing, like spike for the positive and then also really, really hurt businesses? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, we saw like a crazy dip for a couple of weeks that was very similar to December, you know, like Christmas to New Year's time when everything is just fairly shut down. So that was about 60 to 70% down of order volume. So people entering in orders into Printavo, which is normally around 35, 40, 50,000 orders every week, mm -hmm. um, dropped down to like 10-ish or so, right? So wow. pretty significant drop. And then of course, like, the payments also dropped around that too. But now a lot of things have really, they're not as, you know, they're probably 20% or so under, but they're definitely recovered. And the payments recorded has also um, trailed it. So a lot of positive aspects. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like businesses, the ones that want to push through this are figuring out ways to make it work. Right. Like the shock of it is over. Now it's like, how do we survive? How do we push forward? How do we learn from this? Mm -hmm. How do we maybe diversify from all schools or sports or, you know, and be able to keep moving forward? Like, I mean, for you as a business, right, you must have had a lot of live events or things that just got completely decimated that you had to pivot. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The live events like we we were probably doing more than 40% of all of our revenue on like conferences, conventions, uh, different like shows in Los Angeles. 
So it hit us pretty hard up front to lose all of the live events. Um, but e-commerce for us has been how we've kind of bounced back and made up some of that lost ground. Did you run out or did you use up all of the PPP money and all that stuff? So PPP round one, we used uh, according to the rules so that it would be forgiven. Um, but we honestly probably didn't have to have it. Um, mm -hmm. But since we qualified, we took it. And then um, other than that, like, I don't know if we'll potentially see PPP round two. Um, I heard that you have to be more than 50% down for that. So yeah, we, which we, wouldn't, we wouldn't even qualify for a second round. Um, I mean, it was good that it was there and it made us more confident, but we probably would have survived regardless. Yeah, it's been interesting. I, we always talked about the like, reset aspect where you never really have a time. How many conferences or trade shows maybe do you go to and you have all these great ideas, right? And then right. you maybe put in one into place and then you forget about the notebook until yeah. you like throw it out you know, a year later. I mean, this was the one of the few times ever that you could have just really created a clean slate at people-wise, process-wise. Like everybody's got, you know, there's somebody that's like, oh, wow. I'm sure in your shop, it's like, damn, I don't want that person, but I need them. We have to get this order out, right? Right. And to be able to bring on the right people and then also set up, you know, the flow that you wanted to. It's kind of interesting, at least from the, some of the positive aspects. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've become a you-may-not-purchase-from-us-in-person company, which, looking forward, because my lease is up in, like, 14 months, mm -hmm. it's like... I, you know, will we be in LA anymore? Because if if we're going to become a company that you don't come into the shop for any sales, which is what we currently are doing, if we extend that even once we're allowed to be open, why be in downtown LA? Why pay the high rent? So I I feel like parts of the business like that might shift permanently. People really like working from home um, in a lot of cases, and so like all of our sales staff is outside of the building now. It's just printers printing. So have they been at home? Like, are they able to go work there or they just want to stay home and, and they, they enjoy working from home? We just decided that there's no practical reason why a person needs to be in our shop um, other than maybe them not being confident in our quality. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten a little bit more uh, like liberal with our sampling. So we'll like sample things or send out existing samples just to get people to understand that the quality's there. And then we're just handling all the sales on the phone and online because um, sending the salespeople in to sit in a room all day in downtown L.A. and then meet strangers just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, totally. Do you think like it's interesting because as a software company, we had been sort of part remote for a mm -hmm. long time. We had an office and people could go into it and people probably did half the week and then half the week they worked from home. So to have that people aspect. It's just interesting to, to see now the flip side where everybody's been working from home almost exclusively at their apartments, which could be small, there could be kids or this or that, mm -hmm. where some are like, I would kind of like to be in a space, you know, outside that to create a different environment every couple days or something again. Obviously, everybody's situation is different with, with, you know, who they live with and who they have to take care of and all that other stuff. But yeah. um 
Yeah, it's been interesting, especially like what you would even create or do or ship. I mean, do you think you're going to renew it or not? I mean, I I wonder if we'll be in true Los Angeles when the lease is up. Because um, there's a lot of cities that are within 15 miles of L.A. where we could have rent that's 30% cheaper. Um, and our quality won't change at all. Our existing customers shouldn't have any issue with it. Cause like 90% of us have a ship orders anyway, they don't pick up in person. Sure. So, uh, I feel like the city itself is less attractive to me now than it ever was. Um, just because I don't see the advantage of the city because, uh, like they're like walking traffic or being visible doesn't really matter right now as a retail location. Um, I'd rather spend extra money on marketing online and pay less in rent, even if I spend the same amount total a month. Another three grand in online marketing would be amazing. Sure, that's huge. I mean, you must. Are you able? To, or how many square feet is your facility there? We paid ten grand for seventy-five hundred square it. feet. So it's you know it's not cheap compared to a lot of options nationwide. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, and downtown Los Angeles is filthy, which is yeah. like this double hitter of like paying too much and it's not nice. Right. Do you yeah. think that your team is happier, you know, not commuting, being able to spend more time around family and that that aspect too? I mean, two of our guys who have been with us for five and a half years now have both asked to leave L.A. when the lease is up. They they, really? act, they want to move. They want out. They don't like the like the trend that LA's going in. Kind of like it's it's getting worse in a lot of ways, and so they're interested in leaving like downtown LA and moving to one of the suburban areas that has a warehouse district. Got it. Interesting. Do you think that um, do you think that they will that you'll continue the flexible working from home policy too? I mean, I know I personally will. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm doing great with like my own office, and like, if I am not on a phone call, I can go and be distracted for a little bit, and it's not really that difficult. Um, the hardest thing is having a kid, and them just kind of learning when and when they cannot interrupt. Um, sure. But we've kind of gotten used to that. I think it's one of those things where I would have been afraid to do it before because people would have thought it was like lazy. But yeah. now we have this excuse for the next X amount of months to just do it like this, no matter what. Um, so it's kind of a good transition period. That's interesting. Do you feel more productive? Because I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you get asked a lot of questions or tapped on the shoulder. How's this? Or should I, what should I do with that? Um, that, it's harder to do that, right? Because somebody has to slack you or call or whatever. I, I mean, find I find that I'm getting way better conversations with my staff because they don't bring it up till it matters. Mm -hmm. Whereas there was this habit where like, and it's obviously not just happening to me, it's happening to everyone, where if someone's behind you, you don't use your brain, you just turn around and like start talking at them about your problem. Yeah, it's but, easy. It's but easy. if you have to go out and contact them, you're like, do I want to look stupid contacting <laughs> them or can I figure this out on my own? Right. And so I've found like much higher level problems are coming to me than and a lot of little nothing stuff like, hey, we're out of film, you know, 
for the printer. Like, I never really need to know that. And so now I'm not even finding it out. Now they're just like, oh, I have to order it two days before we run out. And they're just kind of managing stuff like that themselves because getting us involved when we're not in the building seems silly. That's really cool, actually. Forces the, like, the responsibility of, of everybody's role because of the extra friction that it takes to yeah. get to you. Right. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. And it, we've actually been doing, as far as, like, relationships even, I feel like everybody is on the same page about, you know, hey, we're not laying anyone off. We're not, we're we're all going to be in this together for, you know, whatever, a year maybe. And then we'll all still have jobs. Meanwhile, you know, it's hard to get a job. So right. that, that kind of commitment and focus, I think, has actually made us more friendly as coworkers. Um, cause it's like, oh wow, like I'm not laid off just cause we're down. We're like, we're still fighting through it. So people are a little bit more committed to their job actually right now. Mm, interesting. That's, um, y- you know, it's kind of fascinating. I think we've seen that too is, is everybody's really been rallying and working very hard to help our customer like you guys as well. Mm. And, and just all shops because, <sighs> You know, I think it's just everything that's going on, like that uncertainty. And, you know, if you add someone like you that's a good leader on top of it, that's helping to push the mission, reassuring and saying, here's our path. Like, here's our exit to get out of of the uncertainty and and lead us forward. People have definitely, like, gone gung-ho over that. Um, and maybe it is like them seeing friends that have gotten laid off or, you know, like, oh, shit, mm. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in that situation. But, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see the, the effects of companies because there's definitely some companies also that are um, almost just giving up. Like, we, we see a lot of shops that are just, nah, forget it. I'm out. I'll do something else, which, you know, I understand it's to everybody's own. You can do whatever you want. Um but this feels like such the biggest opportunity to get so smart, like you said, with the marketing aspect, with the people management aspect, with the process side, to do things so well that when things are back to normal, like to layer on, you know, that aspect, it feels, I don't know, it feels exciting in that way. Yeah, I think that it, there's definitely going to be a certain chunk of the market that is just going to be up for grabs when we're back to normal because X amount of people will go out of business, I think, no matter what in the screen printing industry. Um, And that'll just get divvied up against the people who survived it, Um, which is why we're trying to not have any sort of huge debt load going through this. Like, we're as lean as we can be without laying people off so that if there's opportunities, whether it's like getting an entire another company uh, or if it's just buying individual like equipment assets, um, I know that those opportunities will be there like in the winter. So yeah, one hundred percent. Speaking of pivoting, uh, you were unbelievably well set up with merch. Can you just talk a little bit about like the timing and all of the success those fundraisers had in like March, April, May? Yeah. Um, well, we saw the virus coming through. No, we didn't. Yeah. It was no. So we were near. in China and we were yeah. working on this. Yeah. We saw the bats. But no, but it was honestly, um, 
it was just lucky timing. I, I mean, I, I think that we are, we as a company, because we don't have outside investors, it's not like a typical tech startup, right? Where it's like, you know, somebody puts in a bunch of money and then, you know, you're really listening to your investor probably more than you are a customer because they want the a return at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Well, for us, it's extreme focus on the shops and what drives value. And I think stores just have been a very important point. Like it just increases sales, period. Mm-hmm. So we have been investing heavily and that that's a big change because our core is you know, keeping you organized and streamlined. And then this aspect is really its own business. I mean, there's, there's people know companies that just do the store aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so we wanted to be able to add it, but, but in a way that played really well with the core aspect. So that was Printable's merch's goal. And um, that took, so it launched public in October of 2019 and probably took a full year to just get it to like get the infancy out right. with two engineers just almost solely working on it that whole time. And uh, then iterating on it, iterating on it. And then of course, like February and, and March started to happen. So it was really just timing, but the chart like went insane. So right, I would say March... 7th or 10th ish we were supposed to actually sign uh, a lease a a five-year lease for a brand new office four thousand square feet right had all the furniture it's beautiful in chicago yeah yeah and because our other one was expiring we said we're leaving april 1st we never got the lease like well then March 15th happened. They still didn't give us a lease. And so then everything obviously started to blow up. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a second. <laughs> like, yeah. let's not do that. that yeah. <laughs> so we got very fortunate to like not sign that. But the reason I bring that up is because that period, that month, was also the time where the engineering team really doubled down on saying, how the heck do we have, help add value? Like, do we help get shops connected to you know, medical manufacturers to, to decorate. Like we were thinking about all the custom masks that we wanted. Do we help them, you know, make masks, right? And sew stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously nobody has the sewing equipment, but I'm sure you could get it and like help sustain that. Cause so many people, I mean, everything was frozen. You remember that? Like, it was, yeah. so, um, so the, the mass, it's a lot harder with the fulfillments and supply and, and obviously the big guys, the Samars and, and Ryanats and all of them were able to spin that up a lot quicker. And Bella, I saw jumped in very heavily. So, but ours was, well, shit, we have online stores. Let's get fundraisers going to help, you know, small businesses, right? And so they just like literally busted ass for two, three weeks and got out that fundraiser component, which is where things really went crazy. And um, there's about $8 million now that people have sold through Printavo merch over the last couple months really heavily. So it was, it was so nuts because everybody was right. was doing the here for good, right. And supporting local brewery and gym and restaurant and all that cool stuff. And so just having that was like, Again, I think it's just staying so close to you guys, the shops, as far as how can we help add value? 
because the normal sales, the trade shows are gone. Nobody's buying stuff. Like, where does it matter most for you? And I, and I don't think you can lose by ever. Like, that's what sales is really at the core. Like, I think we got so comfortable over time being like, you know, like, okay, what shirts do you want or this? But it's like, really, you're just adding value to, to whatever they're trying to accomplish. Right. And that's how merch was pushed. So that was the long story of it. But it, it's it's been really cool to to help. And it's just such a beginning of continuing to improve upon it, iterate on it, um, work on the product. And eventually, pretty soon here, we're going to have just a team specifically on that, team on Printalvo's core product, and then be able to keep building these up. Yeah, I was wondering when uh, it was going crazy, especially watching people like Rockford Art Deli, who seemed to be killing it. I was like, I wonder if Bruce wishes that he took a percentage instead of a monthly payment. <laughs> you know, that, I, I ran the numbers, and the difficult part is not everybody, like, blows up like that. Yeah, so, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I think we're in a very lucky, like, bubble of, of like, we're very aware of tech. We're very aware of e-commerce, merchandising and all that stuff and trying to always be on the cutting edge of it. I would say that a lot of shops, though, never even got into online stores, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine you never ran an online store before and then March happened. Right. And then you're like, oh, you know, it's like an online store. What is that? How do I sell it? How do I like there's I mean, you know, for for running fulfillment, there's a lot that you learn over time just from making mistakes. Yeah. Just the shipping's a nightmare. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and picking and storing and when to print. And, you know, it's a whole customer service side, too, because the end customer is emailing you about when am I getting my stuff or I lost this. Right. So um, it, it was hard, I think, for those guys to jump in. I did see a good amount and we interviewed a, a fair amount that that did learn and adjust quickly. But I think a fair amount of shops, though, it's just too much and it's overwhelming at once. You're losing all your sales. You're letting all these people go. You don't know what's going to happen in a month. And now you have to like learn how this whole thing works. So, yeah. Especially so think, without, a oh, yeah, DTG, without a DTG machine, I saw that the screen printers who tried to do that were hurting because they were like, okay, so I have to screen print six shirts because this one person didn't do well in their online store but I still have to fulfill it. And I was seeing people trying to do like on-demand screen printing almost when they were trying to fulfill random designs for their merch stores. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, having the TTG or at least like heat transfers or something, right. To fulfill quicker or missing items, right. The mail, I mean, USPS has been kind of a shit show too. So mm -hmm. people getting their stuff, um, to fulfill again or else, yeah, you're sitting up a press, let alone just encouraging, stores to not have multiple colored products right and just yeah. do one color simple stuff um to get it out but it feels like that a huge lesson learned is just as a business owner you have to always it's never don't don't ever get comfortable with you know you got to always be like oh what's that what are they working on like should we try right and, and be able to sift out those trends because um, you just don't know, right? It's not like people really predicted 08, 09 either. Um, right. Definitely didn't predict this. I feel like so. a lot of the shops that we know now are because of 08, 09. Like a lot of us, kind of in that group of people that know each other, uh, a lot of us started like 
2010 to like 2012. Yes. Um, and it was like in this dead zone of big, big shops, especially out in LA. We had shops with 20 autos just die because they already had problems because things had uh, like been sent overseas. And so they were already hurting. Then it hit 2002, 2008, 2009-ish, and they just had to finally shut down. And these old, big monstrosity shops got replaced with like a guy with an auto or a guy with two manuals or one manual. All these little like small kind of young owned shops started popping up in like 2010 to 2012. I feel mm -hmm. like it was like kind of all of us, like family industries, deluxe, shirt agency, like that's just LA, but we were all like almost the exact same time frame, all kind of capitalizing on the fact that the market had this hole in it. Um, because if you weren't going to go overseas, the print shops were becoming more and more limited locally. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the whole wildfire and then the flowers start blooming like after, you know, where mm -hmm. it's all decimated and, but it, that does provide opportunity for the people. I mean, you were talking about it, right? If you were only sports and high school sports and, you know, schools orders, not in a good spot right now. Right. Um, but that will become a good opportunity. And if you're solely sticking to that or you're leaving that space, which maybe some are, that you can definitely squeeze back in there and be able to capture a significant market share in your area when things really hit bottom. And But you start to see that, you know, maybe this school opens or that school or this team starts playing. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, we've never done schools or whatever, so that didn't hit us. But depending on who doesn't survive, maybe this spring with kids returning, there could be a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I think um, it, it's been interesting. I've been hearing a lot of larger shops also talk about their average order size. They feel has been going down, too. Mm -hmm. and, and the speed that they need things has been getting shot up, which has been this whole chat around digital versus actually screen printing. Um, and that'll be an interesting trend to watch too. I mean, do you have any thoughts on, on that aspect? You talked a little bit about your DTG, but obviously yeah. you know, there's that rock now, I think the MNR's digital squeegee that, you know, these companies are investing a lot right now into that. Yeah. I mean, I think a DTG in my opinion is, it's a little overvalued or oversold uh, mm -hmm. in practicality. Like when I just look at raw numbers, like how much is my labor costing? How much is the ink costing? And what am I getting out of it? Then I'm not super excited about it because they're still slow. Uh, obviously, I don't have like a rock hybrid that can do crazy speed. Um, but right now we're looking at like we're proud of ourselves if we do 35 shirts an hour DTG. And in a world of screen printing, where every auto can do 500 an hour, it's just not our focus. Um, but I understand that the the demand for like on-demand e-commerce fulfillment is getting crazier and crazier, and people really love this like no risk, no inventory model. Um, so I don't know. Like DTG has been a part of our business for four years, and I know I'll probably buy more and more DTG machines long term, but I still kind of like screen printing and I like getting a volume order. Um, yeah. I just, I just like having like, Hey, knock out these 800 shirts and like, we're good. Like we're, <laughs> we're done. 
that's the day. Sure. You know, you can have one operator work on 800 shirts and like it's a successful day. If I had to do 800 shirts DTG at our current speed, it'd be like three and a half days of labor. <laughs> Sucks. So there's a I, couple, um, there was one unit I remember at ISS Long Beach's product. Uh, Matt Markow was just talking about this on his other podcast, but called the Zeus. And I remember watching it. It was in the uh, atrium where you can roll it over kind of like a cart you roll it over one platen and it prints out i think you still burned an underbase but it mm. prints out over that for for the rest of your colors um i mean i i'm guessing that's what they invest in right to bring the cost down and then also the speed up and the quality up yeah i mean i, I really like when you get into like the six figure range i really like the inline pre-treat systems um so you're like it's getting thrown backwards pre-treated somehow they're like drying the pre-treat enough sometimes it's like a heat stamp and sometimes they're like blowing hot air on it then it comes back gets printed with white moves back gets color again that system's a lot better than the way we're doing it where we literally have to pre-treat and then dry it and then load it on a platen um but a hundred grand i can get like an amazing rock automatic and how much money can I make off a of rock automatic versus $100,000 DTG machine? I still kind of believe in screen printing when you look at it that way. Sure. No, that makes total sense. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch over the next five years or so. As Yeah, it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah, as the technology gets better, it'll be more and more interesting and lucrative. And if I was a small shop, I think I'd rather be a small shop that's a very small amount of space that's just air conditioned and has good humidity control and is one or two DTGs and then have a contract relationship with a big shop that owns autos because your overhead can be really low. You can be a point of sales. Like you could make a million dollars in a thousand square feet if you're good at just knocking out those sales and then middleman the big work and knock out the little stuff on your one or two DTG machines in like a thousand square feet in a good location. So is that what you're saying you're doing after your lease is up? <laughs> no, I already own the autos. <laughs> that was, That's my if I was brand new business plan. So gotcha. for everybody out there buying a manual, don't buy a manual. Buy a DTG. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's what I would do if I was brand new now. When I started it, screen printing really made a lot more sense mathematically. But DTG is catching up on price point. Would you, if you had went back, would you just have skipped to try to go straight automatic and skip the whole manual? Or would you still recommend the DTG first? I was kind of weird. So I did an entire year of middlemanning um, to automatic shops. Yeah. yeah, so I had a customer base before I had a lease. Um, I had a year of working from home and I was a website only. And then we got the lease, and our biggest mistake was way underestimating our growth. Um, so we got 1,100 square feet, and within nine months, we got 5,000 square feet because we had to get out, and it was just too tiny. So um, why, why did you explode when you got the physical space and the equipment? I think we already had a little bit of – so because of our timing in, like, 2012, um, having any website was considered a good website. I don't – like, the websites I see now that brand new print shops with no customers put out are amazing compared yeah. to what we were dealing with back then. And eight years ago, the websites were horrific. And they were from shops that had been open for 20 years 
And like some guy made it in 2003 and never right. updated it. And it right. was garbage. And right. so we came out with an okay website and our Google local listing just started like popping up and up. So if you look up Los Angeles screen printers, like nowadays we're top two, three, but back, even back then we would still hit like bottom of the first page, but we were, we were two people just in this little 1000 square foot place. And it was just because we did an okay job on a website. You and your and wife? So, mm -hmm. And so we just didn't understand that like our online image was giving us way more credibility than it probably deserved. Um, and so it allowed us to just like go crazy with sales. Cause we went from year one middle manning was like 50 grand. Uh -huh. And then uh, by the end of year two, we were at like $400,000 in sales and had no idea how to keep up with the printing. Holy cow. Wait, were so, you middlemaning? Were you full-time middlemaning or like brokering or were you? Yeah, like, I got fired. Work? I got fired. And From what? I, I worked for this apparel brand that was in Venice. Okay. And uh, they decided that like I didn't know enough about t-shirts and it wasn't worth paying me. And then I was like, I'll never have a boss again. I like had a tantrum. And so I got like kind of drunk. And then at midnight, I bought shirtagency.com for 99 cents. And then, like, I never worked for anyone again. That's a crazy story. I, I kind of wonder, because there's a lot of different apparel brands I like following in Venice, but we won't blow them up, though. Um, you'll have to tell me after the interview. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. They didn't, they didn't do that well without me either. So it was oh, it worked go. out well. Yeah. That's the funny crazy. story is the owner of that brand mm -hmm. didn't comprehend that I owned Shirt Agency. And um, U.S. Blanks recommended us as, like, their preferred print house. And so the owner, like, emailed and was, like, interested in having us do all their printing. And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing, Donna? And she's like, nope, nope. And then she that went one, and found I guess a different printer. Have your yeah. sales rep answer, huh? Yeah, she was, like, too, she was, like, too upset that it was me. So, yeah, it was fun. Not. Yeah, I'm not doing That's that. That's crazy, though. So it was brokering. What do you feel like, though, made you want to get out of straight brokering and buy the physical space? Was it margin? Think, was it control of product? Or what, what do you think? Uh, at the time, the people who were printing for me were about to sell, and their quality was all over the place. Like, they'd be showing oh. off one week, and then they would not care at all the next week. Um and then there was also a lot of, like, just kind of, I wanted physical things. Like, it didn't feel real to just be sitting at home trying to make sales. And maybe I was kind of wrong about that, because nowadays I kind of wish I did just do that. <laughs> but back then I kind of wanted, like, I wanted the giant green autos, and I wanted, like, a building where you saw my sign on a street. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I I mean, I, I know how that feels because as a software company, we don't, like, we make software and there's a lot in the code and a ton of work goes into that, but mm -hmm. there's no physical thing to touch. Yeah. Um, so, but at some point, I'll just get a little manual press in, in our future whatever office space. That's what I liked about live printing is I would go to different live printing events just because it was fun to fly. And it was fun to like spend two days around a manual press doing stupid one and two color jobs. Like that, the physical action's fun if you don't have to do it for eight hours a day. <laughs> That's very true. That's it's very also true. 
That's why I like teaching classes too. Like it is, I guess an art screen printing is interesting and fun. Um, you just can't treat it like an art if it's going to be like your business, but it is fun to mess around with colors and mess around with like mesh types, different specialty inks. When do you feel like the business actually turned into a business versus, uh, you know, a fun thing that you were just doing? I mean, I was pretty gung ho when I got fired and started it. I, cause I had worked in shops, so I knew the structure and I knew kind of, I knew the sales flow. I knew, prices that would work and would be like competitive without being so cheap. I made no money. Um, and I think the fact that we middlemaned in the beginning really helped us not have to do something stupid, like get a hundred thousand dollar loan and have zero customers on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, it meant that there was some revenue when we moved into a building. Um, so yeah, middlemaning is great. Like if, if somebody had no equipment, I would, encourage them to like hey go do a hundred thousand in revenue middlemaning because if you can't do a hundred thousand in sales why in the world do you need equipment i i find it very interesting how you went from 50 to 400 in that second year like i mean you know you said it was the website and just being on there maybe it was just timing of it all but that i mean that's a significant jump i think it was trust being built Um, Because we were also doing like social media posts. So it was like, you know, I remember there was this maybe two, three months in, we were like maybe making two or three grand for the entire month, right? It was like horrible revenue each month. And we got this call from Pando Daily that's like a website uh, that does blogs and stuff. And they gave us four grand over the phone in like a seven minute phone call. And I remember hanging up and being like, oh, this is like, this could be a real business. Like, this is how it works. And I think us getting a few of those clients who obviously would start returning just snowballed. And then you have you have Pando Daily recommending you to some tech company over here. And just the recommendation means they have no vetting process. They're just going to order their order, too. Right. And, like, that snowball can happen really fast. And then by the time we were doing like 400,000 ish, it was a lot of it was like e-commerce and e-commerce fulfillment because there were companies that were their Shopify's were taking off because back then there was this massive trend in Facebook advertising where everyone was starting a t-shirt store, like even more than now. Back then there were people becoming millionaires with bad t-shirt designs. Um, and some of that's actually died off. But back then we were getting people who were saying like, hey, can you do 900 units in a day? And we're like, uh, if we buy an auto, and so we really quickly transitioned to trying to be able to accommodate those kind of phone calls. I remember that because um, there was a couple articles, that, especially in the Wall Street Journal, where they, uh, yeah, they would set up T-shirt designs based on whatever was happening. Yeah, you know, whatever common event or election or whatever was happening, they just sell it. Didn't matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Post it. It cost them five dollars of Facebook ads per order. They sold it for twenty twenty five, and then yeah, got it printed and shipped. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy who just did that really successfully through us. Um, from like, he started his business like end of February. He had zero business ever. Started end of February and came to us because Printful completely screwed him over. Printful, if you don't know, had like a 30 to 40 day wait time 
because they couldn't handle the production during COVID. Holy cow. So they were taking everyone's money and not shipping anything and saying, hey, you know, we'll get to it. And they'd have like five week waits on print on demand. So he came to us saying, hey, I have, uh, I think it was like 1300 back orders and people are furious with me. Can you print them? And then we did like that first 1300. And since then, his revenue has been kind of crazy. I mean, he's paying us like $15,000 a month. So he's making three or four times that, like maybe 40 grand a month. And this business didn't exist in February. Wow. And all, all he's doing is like Patriot tees. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he just nailed the marketing in. Yeah. It's just like, he just like posts dudes who were like ex Marines in shirts that are about cops and soldiers and eagles and guns. I mean, that's all it is. And he's killing it. Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah. So the, uh, what's the future, Bruce? What do you think, what do you think people are going to be doing with like your software and in the industry in 2021? Do you think we'll see any massive changes? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Printavo wise, we're really working very hard on the, the core organizational and workflow aspect. So we're doing a ton of investment there to make scheduling easy. To to we're revamping automation completely. Um, we're uh, doing a huge improvements on the merch side, and then we're also um, well. There's a couple things along the payments end, um, like maybe ACH that is coming. So that's that going to be, be that would be very helpful. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's really going to be helpful. Um, and then I think industry-wise, though, I think it's just very similar to what we're chatting about. There's so much unknowns. So, you know, it's really just such an inward focus of, of how to drive value for the customer mm-hmm. and just navigating through the uncertainty. I mean, at some point, again, people are going to want just as many T-shirts, if not more, when they can get together. I think it's really going to spring back when they feel comfortable. But it's not even... I think there's a health aspect, obviously, but there's also like a consumer sentiment, like how do they feel about it aspect. And people are very squeamish about a lot of things. So, um, you know, but, but when that does come back at some point and, and people feel comfortable, it's going to be crazy. And I think that's going to be a big opportunity for the shops that did withstand it because you will have the capacity to handle the volume to then step in and just grab market share from the guys that didn't make it yeah or or just understaffed or can't handle the quantities right or the volume so yeah it'll be exciting you know i all everything negative always has a like a perspective of it that 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 looks good yeah i i think that when we kind of get confident enough to try to grow again there's going to be some amazing screen printers who will be very thrilled to come back to work at a shop. Um, and I think that'll be really interesting. It's like it, not even the equipment, but the personnel that'll be available in the market will be amazing. 100%. Um, well, thanks so much for all your time. If you need a suggestion for Printavo, dark mode. <laughs> I want I want dark mode. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming. Yeah, absolutely. talking with me. Yeah, thanks so much, Cole. We actually just hired a mobile engineer, so... 
I'll I'll tell him to add dark mode to the list. I tried to do like the janky dark mode Chrome extension. It looks horrible. So it's yeah. I mean, we never even like thought about it. So yeah, it's I, on the I, list. When you're staring at the screen for like six hours, you're like, why is this all white? <laughs> <laughs> I um, hear you. All right, Bruce. Have a great day. Thanks, Cole. See ya.